Good morning, church. If you would, please, as you're able, remain standing for the reading of God's word today, which will be in the third chapter of 1 Corinthians. If you don't have a Bible with you, we have ushers in the aisles. Please just raise your hand. They'd be happy to hand one to you. And if you'd like to take it home, feel free to do that. If you have a neighbor that you know could use a Bible in their home, please take it with you and give it as a gift to your neighbor. And if you're going to use one of those Bibles to read with us today, we'll be on page 896. And this is 1 Corinthians, the third chapter, starting with the 10th verse. According to the grace of God given to me, like a skilled master builder, I laid a foundation, and someone else is building upon it. Let each one take care how he builds upon it, for no one can lay a foundation other than that which is laid, which is Jesus Christ. Now if anyone builds on the foundation with gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, straw, each one's work will become manifest, for the day will disclose it, because it will be revealed by fire, and the fire will test what sort of work each one has done. If the work that anyone has built on the foundation survives, he will receive a reward. If anyone's work is burned up, he will suffer loss, though he himself will be saved, but only as through fire. Please pray with me before Pastor Mike comes. Heavenly Father, we do thank you for this day and for the ability to gather in this place to worship you. I pray, Lord, that you bless Pastor Mike, fill him with your spirit, and may the words he shares with us be exactly the words each one of us needs to hear. We thank you for being with us in this place. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen, amen. Well, good morning. You can have a seat. My name is Mike Lee, and I get to be the pastor here at Mission Valley Church. If you and I have never met, I would sure like to do that. And so there's a couple of ways that we can connect. Uh, the first is this. Right after service, I'm going to be out in the courtyard. Uh, we can get to know each other out there, exchange names, fist bump, shake hands, whatever you're into. Uh, another way that we can meet, if you'll fill out one of those Connect cards. Uh, Terry talked about them at the beginning of service. She'll talk about them again at the end. If you'll fill out a Connect card, turn it in at the info table. Not only will you get a gift, uh, but I'll reach out to you this week. And then the third way that we can meet, the uh, third way that we can interact, is you can always just send me a text or call me, 602 763-3331. You can just get a hold of me that way. If you didn't get that number, ask somebody around or stop at the info table. They'd be happy to give it to you. So uh, growing up, I I think as as little kids, all of us have heroes kind of growing up, or a lot of us do. You think of somebody that like you really look up to. And growing up, my hero was my grandpa. Uh, His name was James Lee, and he was not known uh, to many people outside of the small town that he lived in and worked in his whole life. But to me, he was the best man that I knew. He was the, the guy that I looked up to, the guy that I most wanted to be like. This is one of my favorite pictures of him. Uh, it's up on the screen. This was the day that my brother got married, uh, and it's a picture of, of, of my grandpa with my son, who we named after uh, my grandpa. Uh, it just was the guy in my life that was the hero. And so while I grew up in Arizona, my brother and I would spend every single summer going to Ohio where we would live with my grandparents. And that style of living was very different than what we had here in Arizona because in Arizona we were basically city kids, but when we went to Ohio in the summer, we kind of lived out in the country. Uh, They lived out in the country. They were away from people. And so our days looked like getting up in the morning and leaving and going to play all day. We got home at lunchtime and then we would go out till dinner and then we would go out and play again until it got dark. That's just what life was like. 
But every day we would know around what time it was. We'd get an idea that it was getting close to dinner time when we would see my grandpa pull up in his truck. He drove this gray, uh, this gray Ford pickup truck that said Imperial Plating Company on it. That's the company that, that he worked at. And he was one of those guys that was every single day at the exact same time. And so when, when grandpa would pull onto County Road 31, that was the indication that it was five o'clock and dinner was in an hour. So he owned and he operated this company, Imperial Plating Company, and it was a really small company uh, in a really small town right there in uh, northwest Ohio. And he wasn't a rich man, but the business did well enough to provide not only for him, but also for his employees. And one of my favorite things to do every single summer, it was uh, we had all these traditions that we would talk about. We'd go to Ohio and do these things that became sort of traditions for us. But my favorite tradition as a little kid is that every Friday, my grandma would drop my brother and I off at the shop and my grandpa would take us to lunch. Uh, he would do his lunch and he would do his bank deposits and his banking while my grandpa, my grandma went to the grocery store and did the, the grocery shopping. And every single Friday, like clockwork, we would go and we would get to be at the shop for a little bit before he would take Take us to lunch, him himself and some of his employees, and then my brother and I would get to go to lunch. And while I was at the shop, I would think about how one day I wanted to work there. Uh, the shop was actually started by, by my great-great-grandfather, and so I would have been the fifth generation of Lees to work at Imperial Plating Company, and I would look forward to it. I would just think about it, like, someday I'm going to get big enough. And the summer after I turned 15, he told me I was finally old enough to come to work with him. And so this was it. This was like my big moment to, to go to work with my grandpa, and I remember that first day. He woke me up at 5.30 because we had to be at work to start at, at 6.30. And so he woke me up at 5.30 and grandma had made breakfast for us. Uh, she would get up every morning and make him breakfast. I didn't know this as a little kid because I was just sleeping. That you, I slept in, I guess. It was lazy or whatever. But I didn't realize she got up every single morning. She'd make him breakfast. And so she made us breakfast and then she packed me a lunch and we got into his truck and we went off to work. And as we drove into work that day, I felt so important. I felt like such a big deal because I'm sitting next to the man that I admire most and we are going to go to work together. Like I get to go to work with him. And so through the, throughout the day, I just got to, to work with him and the work was really hard. Uh, it turns out I didn't realize this as a little kid, but the work that he did was very physical labor. Uh, it was manufacturing and, and you would move heavy racks onto heavy, uh, heavy conveyor belts and, and do a lot of different stuff. And during the course of this day, he taught me a lot of different stuff. He taught me about this process that took raw steel and turned it into like chrome plated steel and, and nickel plated steel. And we did all this work and it was physical and it was hard. And by the end of the day, I remember being so tired. I don't remember ever being so tired as I was that like, that was the first day I remember just being like, I'm like physically exhausted from work. And this man's been doing this every day for like 35 years. And we're driving home in the truck when we're just driving out in the country. And as you're passing by like the cornfields, I feel myself like wanting to fall asleep. I'm like, I'm like 15 years old. I should be able to like work circles around this old man. And he like whipped my butt. I'm just whipped, you know. And so as I'm about to like doze off and fall asleep, he said, hey, did you like it enough to come back tomorrow? And I was like, oh my gosh, yeah, it was, it was great. Thanks so much. And he said, I'm really proud of you. You worked really hard today and you did a good job. And to me, that was like, oh my gosh, like, I, like, I, like, like I've done something good when the man that I admire most would say he's proud of me and that I had done a good job. And so as we pulled in to the driveway that day, my little brother was there with all of our friends and they wanted me to go build a fort with them. And I remember thinking to myself, like, I'm a man now. 
I can't go play with you guys because I, I just did man's work, okay? I, I can't go build a fort anymore. I've turned into a man. It's like that one day had changed me. And so I worked with my grandpa for the next couple of summers. And though I didn't love working in that dirty, hot factory, I loved working with him and learning from him. And, and, and looking back, so much of what I know about work and effort and caring for employees was learned in those eight-hour shifts at Imperial Plating Company. And I will never be able to repay him for that. I'm internally grateful because looking back, going to work with my grandpa was one of the biggest privileges of my life. And I wonder if you and I recognize that in a lot of ways, that is what we do every single day as Christians. I wonder if we realize that every single day as Christians, we get the opportunity to go to work with our heavenly father. This is what Jesus said when he gave us the clearest mission ever on what our primary job is. He said, all authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. When we go, when we teach about Jesus, the gospel, when we baptize those who believe, when we disciple people to become more and more like Jesus, when we do the things that Christians are supposed to be doing, we are joining our Heavenly Father on mission. We are all of us like a 15-year-old getting into the truck to go to work with the very one that loved us enough to save us. And I wonder if we recognize what a privilege it is. I wonder if we recognize what an amazing gift it is to be able to do that. If you were here last week, you will, you will remember that, that, that you're not going to be able to do any of this work, any of this work that, that you're going to go to, to work with your Heavenly Father. You're not going to be able to do any of that based on your own skill. You're going to be doing that with the power of the Holy Spirit. It's Holy Spirit power in you that is going to enable that work. It's Holy Spirit inside of you that is going to empower that work, this, this godly work, this godly action. And this work that we're doing with our Heavenly Father is so important. It's so much more important than anything I ever did at Imperial Plating Company. It's so much more important than anything any of us does at our vocational jobs because this is the thing that Jesus himself has asked us to do. I mean, Jesus is literally making a people for himself. Jesus is making a people of himself, making a body of believers who, who are going to spend eternity with him that is collectively called the church. This church called Mission Valley is part of a, a, a much bigger church of believers, and Jesus is doing all of this, and he uses Christians to get it done. And that actually brings us to our big idea today. Jesus builds his church, and he uses Christians to get it done. This is what's literally happening. So from the day that Jesus came here on earth until today, Jesus is building his church and he is allowing people like you and I to help him get that done. He's building his church. He's making a people for himself. He is uh, saving people, helping them to believe, making them believe, giving them what they need to believe so that they can believe and they will spend eternity with him. Jesus is making a people for himself and his plan on how to get that done is to use people like you and I to get that work done. Jesus is building his church and he's using regular Christians just to get this done. And so as we continue our series today, we get to see how Jesus builds his church and how Christians get to help. And so we're going to open up God's word and from it we'll pull out five ideas. The first is this, building the church demands unity. It just demands it. It requires unity. This thing that we are going to work with Jesus on is so important that we can't be fighting with each other about anything. This is what Paul says. He says, but I, brothers, 
could not address you as spiritual people, but as people of the flesh, as infants in Christ. I fed you with milk, not solid food, for you were not ready for it. And even now you are not yet ready, for you are still of the flesh. For while there is jealousy and strife among you, you are, are you not of the flesh and behaving only in human ways? For when one says, I follow Paul, and another, I follow Apollos, are you not being merely human? What then is Apollos? What is Paul? Servants through whom you believed as the Lord assigned to each. I planted, Apollos watered, but God gave the growth. Paul really wants the church at Corinth and the church at Mission Valley to focus in on unity, to be unified, to be of the same mind on things, to be of the same action on things, to put aside division. Some were there at the church in Corinth saying like, hey, they're, they're struggling around this, this, like who's in charge around here? Some are saying, hey, I want to follow Paul. Some are saying, I want to follow Apollos. But Paul is reminding them that neither Paul or Apollos is God, and the one that they're supposed to be following is God. There has to be unity around that. The one that the church at Corinth and the church at Mission Valley follow is Jesus. This is Jesus' church. It's not Mike Lee's church. It's not the church of the elders. It's not even you all's church. This is Jesus' church. He runs this. It's his place. It's his. If you don't like how it's going around here, talk to Jesus about it. This is his place. We're all just going to work with him. He is the CEO. He is the head of the church. He is it. Remember, Jesus said, all authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. That means all of the authority. When Jesus said, I have all the authority, that means he has all of the authority. And it was given to him by God. God said, Jesus, here, you have authority over everything. God the Father gave it to Jesus the Son, and all of the authority is his. And so we have to be unified around the fact that we are following him, that we are going to work with him, that we are doing the things that he has called us to do, that we are focused on the things that he has called us to focus on. We are so focused on the things that Jesus wants us to do, to go out into the world, to teach people about Jesus, to baptize them when they believe, and then disciple them until they, until they become more and more like him, until Jesus calls them home. That's the thing that we're supposed to be doing. And so that anything else that we might get tempted to do, we would just set aside because we're so focused on the main thing. God literally said, Jesus, you have all authority. And then with all that authority, Jesus said, I really want my people to focus on four things. Go to those that don't believe, teach them, baptize them, and disciple them. That's what we're doing around here. And if we're doing anything else, certainly if we're disagreeing about anything else, arguing about anything else, having division over anything else, I think Jesus would say, what are y'all doing? <laughs> this is the thing I want you to do. This is the thing that we're supposed to be doing. And here's the thing, pastors and elders, all of it, we, we get temporary authority over a church. So church members submit to the authority of a local pastor, but they do so in obedience to Jesus. It's Jesus that we follow. Currently, I'm the pastor here. Somebody asked me this morning, somebody asked me this morning, like in the bathroom, how long do you think you'll be the pastor here? I have no idea. I, I could get hit by a bus on the way home. I have no idea. If I get hit by a bus on the way home, I'm going to see with Jesus tonight. That would be fantastic. If not, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll come back next week. I don't know how long I'm going to be here. You know how long Jesus is going to be in charge of this church? Forever. Because all authority in heaven and earth has been given to him. And it's imperative that we're unified around that. It's imperative that we're unified around his mission. If we are, all of us, going to work with our Heavenly Father to do what we've been tasked to do, to go, to teach, to baptize, to disciple, we need to understand that the mission demands unity because division simply slows the mission down. 
If we want to start arguing and squabbling about all these things or all these preferences or whatever we want to talk about, it's just going to get in the way of that thing that we're supposed to be doing, which is going, teaching, baptizing, and discipling. Like, that's what we're supposed to be doing. In Corinth, it looked like Christians arguing over who is in charge. At Mission Valley, it could look like arguing over some preference. But we can't let it happen because the mission is so important that it simply demands unity. Here's the second thing I want us to understand. Jesus gets the glory as the church is built. Jesus gets the glory as the church is built. As the church at Corinth was built, Jesus gets the glory. As as the church at Rome was built, Jesus gets the glory. As the church at Ephesus was built, Jesus gets the glory. And certainly as the church at Mission Valley is built, Jesus gets the glory. This is what it says in verse 7. So neither he who plants nor he who waters is anything but only God who gives the growth. Paul is reminding the church at Corinth, and he's also reminding the church at Mission Valley that it's Jesus that builds the church. As as Christians, we go to work with our Heavenly Father, but He makes it grow. We go to work with our Father, but He makes it grow. He's the one getting it done. Jesus is the one getting it done. Here's the thing. Some of you know that I'm basically a farmer, right? Like, like basically, I'm a farmer. Like, I have these two raised, some people call them garden beds, but they're basically farms. We have, like, two raised farms in our backyard, and and Penny and I farm that. And here's the stuff that we do. We, We, like, especially we do this. We just did this last Saturday. Nobody came over to help, you know, but it's fine. Uh, We moved a bunch of dirt, and we moved a bunch of compost, and we did some mulching, and we put in seeds and seedlings, and we water the seeds, and we water the plants, and we fertilize. But neither Penny or I can figure out how to make a tomato come. Like two. Like we just don't know how to do it. Like we don't know how you just put like these things in the ground and like at night when you're asleep, they grow. You just wake up in the morning and be like, I don't know. Like we didn't have a cucumber and now we have cucumbers. Like we can't make it happen. It's almost like it's magic and it's the same way that God grows the church. We go to work and we just don't understand how this works. The way that each of us grows as an individual as we as we are being transformed more and more into God's image. It's just a God thing. You'll just be like talking to somebody and be like, oh my gosh, this person's like changed. They're, they're growing in their faith. They're growing in Christian maturity. I don't like know how it's happening. Like, what are we doing? I don't know. I mean, they go, to, they go to this Bible study. They're in this community group. And it's almost like some sort of magical thing is happening that's transforming them. And that thing is God. God's doing that work. And so he gets the glory. The way that new people come to the church and believe in Jesus, it's a God thing. I've told you guys this before. If I had the power to make people believe, I would do it. I really would. If I had like some kind of a magic, boom, you believe, boom, you believe. Like I I just don't know how to do it. I wish I did. I can't do it. I don't have power to do it, but Jesus did. It's a God thing. A friend of mine just this week called me up. He said, hey, he said, you got to listen to this story. His friend of mine calls me because you just got to listen to this story. He said, a guy that I've been praying for for years a guy I've been praying for for years. I've been praying for this guy for years and years and years to believe in Jesus, and he's never had any interest in it. He's always kind of kind of laughed it off, always kind of made fun of it. This guy, I've just been praying for this guy for years and years and years. This guy called me yesterday and said, I just need to let you know I'm a Christian now. That's a God thing. God does that kind of stuff, and we don't know how, and we don't know why, but God does. Every single good thing that happens at the church at Corinth, every single good thing that happens at the church for the last 2,000 years, and every single good thing that will ever happen at Mission Valley Church is because and for Jesus. We certainly benefit from it. It is certainly for our good, but it's Jesus who gets the glory. Jesus gets the glory as he builds his church. And as we're going to work with our Heavenly Father, as we're going to work on this mission, I need us to all really, really understand this. Building the church is work. 
It's work. If it feels like work, it's because it's work. This is what Paul says here in verses 8 through 10. He says, He who plants and he who waters are one, and each will receive his wages according to his labor. For we are God's fellow workers. You are God's field, God's building according to the grace of God given to me like a skilled master builder. I laid a foundation and someone else building, uh, someone else is building upon it. Let each one take care how he builds upon it. Notice the action words here. Notice the action words, the words here that sound like work. Planting, that's work. Watering, that's work. Laboring, workers, laid a foundation, built it up. These are work words because building the church is work. It's just work, and there's no way around it. It's work to go out into the world. It's work to teach people about Jesus. Discipling those who believe is work. This is all work. It probably feels like work sometimes because it is. And everything we do as a church to execute that mission is work. Everything we're doing, it, it'll feel like work sometimes because it is. Chairs need to be moved. Coffee needs to be made. Things need to be set up and torn back down. Stuff needs to be baked, right? People need to be reached out to. People need to be visited. People need to be cared for. The youth need to be led. The kids need to be led. The building needs to be maintained. We all need to go work jobs to bring money in here to fund this mission. If this feels like work sometimes, it's because it is. It's supposed to be work. It's supposed to be work. Going, teaching, baptizing, discipling, all of it is work, and it should feel like work. If you're ever like, man, I'm, I'm tired. I'm tired on Sunday afternoon. Good job. You did a good job. I bet God would say, hey, good job. I'm proud of you. Like, did you like it enough to come back tomorrow? Like a 15-year-old kid that's passing out when he went to work with his grandpa for one day. That's what it should feel like. Sunday afternoon naps are the greatest thing ever. If you work hard at church on Sunday, I hope you sleep like the dead on Sunday afternoon. I hope you do. And some of you, I hope you don't get the chance to sleep because there's still more work to be done. That's fantastic too. It feels like hard work sometimes because it is. And it's hard because it's important. When you think about the things in your life that you do that are really hard, you are probably doing them because they're so important. As you're trying to figure out how to raise these kids, it's hard work because it's so important. As you're trying to figure out how to love your spouse, it's hard work because it's so important. As you're trying to figure out how to take care of aging parents, it's hard work because it's so important. And I can't think of anything more important that we could ever do than going to those that don't know Jesus, teaching them everything that Jesus said, baptizing them when they believe, and discipling them to be more and more like them until Jesus comes home. That is work. It feels like work because it is. I don't want to fool you. I don't want to be one of those preachers that gets up here and says, hey, just follow Jesus and your life will be really easy. I don't think that's true at all. I think when you follow Jesus, sometimes your life gets really hard. I think Jesus will ask you to do some things that you didn't want to do. I completely disagree with the people that say, hey, God won't give you any more than you can handle. That ain't true. God will give you so much more than you can handle. That's why you'll need him. That's why you'll need him. There's so much work. I can't think of anything more important than going to work with our Heavenly Father. And everything that we do at the church called Mission Valley Church that, that we do to support that mission is work. It's work. Hey, look, here's the thing. As you're doing the work of the church, as you're doing the work with your Heavenly Father, you are going to have fun doing it. There's going to be fun and there's going to be joy, but there will also be sweat and calluses and Sunday afternoon naps where you just can't even imagine waking up. There is often joy in building the church, but it is always work. It's work. Now, some of you might say, well, well, that makes me nervous. 
it makes me nervous because if I go to do this work and it's really important, what if I mess it up? Like, what if, I, what if I'm trying to help God, like, build his church, and I, and I go there and I mess it up? I don't really know what I'm doing. What if, I, what if I say the wrong thing? What if I talk to somebody in the wrong way? What if I, like, what if I mess it up? Well, here's really good news. It's our fourth point today. Jesus won't let you break the church. Jesus won't let you break the church. Believe me, Jesus is so much more powerful than anything you could screw up, and Jesus just won't let you break the church. He lets regular dudes like me get up here and preach. He's not going to let us break the place, all right? This is what it says in uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 11 through 15. It says, For no one can lay a foundation other than that which is laid, which is Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ is the foundation of the church. We're not going to change that. We don't move the, the foundation. We don't shift the foundation. It's laid. It's solid. It's down. It's there. We, we just build upon it. We're not going to mess that up. It says, now if anyone builds on that foundation with gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, straw, each one's work will become manifest for the day will disclose it because it will be re revealed by fire and the fire will test what sort of work each one has done. If the work that anyone has built on the foundation survives, he will he will receive a reward. If anyone's work is burned up, he will suffer loss, though he himself will be saved, but only as through fire. Jesus is the foundation of the church, and as we go to work with him and we build upon it, the stuff that we build upon it that's good and edifying and sanctifying and, and we did a good job with, Jesus is going to use that. And the stuff where we kind of goofed it up and made a mess and, and kind of just didn't do it exactly like we were supposed to, we made a mistake, Jesus is just going to sort of shove that aside and like correct it for us. He's just going to get it out out of the way, not destroying us, just getting rid of that dumb work that we did. Here's an amazing thing. The church has gone on for over 2,000 years in spite of the fact that sinners like you and me have been working on it. Like, it's just people like you and me. Like Jesus is just like, hey, I'm, I'm going to go up to heaven and prepare a place for you. You all are going to do this work down here. And you'd be like, well, this thing ain't going to work then, God, because that seems like a bad plan because we're goofs. Like We goof up regular stuff all the time. Right, And in spite of that, the church continues to go, continues to thrive, and Jesus continues to build his church through people like us. I remember that day that I went to work with my grandpa, and I worked with him. On that first day, he literally watched everything I did. And when I did something wrong, he'd correct it. He'd, he'd make it right. In a similar way, God's not going to let you mess up his church. The church is referred to as the bride of Christ. You think God doesn't have his hand on this. You think he doesn't have his hand on you. He's not going to let you break it. And if you try, he's just going to correct you or remove you. Every pastor I've ever talked to says that going back and listening to their earliest sermons makes them cringe. Like if you talk to any pastor and they're like, hey, what about like that third sermon you ever preached? He's like, oh man, that was, that was bad. Like, we, do we have a recording of that? Can we get rid of it? Uh, it's, it's horrible. It's really, really bad, right? I'm going to be saying that like in two years about this one, right? Just like, oh man, I can't believe I, did I say that stuff, right? But God uses those regular sermons to grow his church. Every single Christian can think of days that they didn't do a good job going to work with their heavenly father. And yet God has used even those bad days to build his church. When you look back at the last week, the last month, the last year of your life, I bet you there are days you wish you could do over again. Right? I bet you there's days where you're like, I didn't really get that right. I wish I could have that conversation over again. Or I wish I could just have that attitude back. Or I wish I could just kind of just tweak that a little bit and do it different. And yet God used every one of those moments to build his church and to build you. You and I should work hard, but we should know that God will use even our imperfect work for our good and his glory. I remember my first year as a student pastor, 
Uh, we were taking 90 kids to winter camp. I remember planning everything. I remember planning everything down to the moment. I really felt like I needed to do a good job with this. Uh, I was the interim student pastor. The, the student pastor had left, and I was going to take all these kids to winter camp, and I felt like I really got to get this right. And so I planned everything. My, myself and my team, we planned it down to the minute. Like, this is what we're going to do, and these are the games that we're going to play, and here's the sermons, and here's the illustrations. I mean, I had this thing planned down to the minute, so much so that, like, one night, a small group, a small group, uh, they went over, these two leaders took a small group of girls, and they took too long to come back to, like, the, the big meeting that I was doing. It was, it was my wife, Penny, and it was Allison. They're both right here right now. They took these girls, and they were just talking for too long about, like, Jesus-type stuff, and I got got mad at them. I was like, you're messing up my plans. Like, get back to the main session. Like, that's how tight this thing was planned. I remember planning it so perfectly. And on our last day, we were supposed to go to this gym and play this game. We're going to go into the gym. We're going to play this big game that was going to kind of tie the whole thing together. I had this, like, big illustration I was going to tie together, and it was going to work out really good. And then it turns out the camp had double booked the gym, and we couldn't go in. Like, we just couldn't go in. We had, like, 15 minutes to come up with something else. We were supposed to go in and play this game, and it was booked, and we couldn't go in. And I was like, that's it. Weekend's ruined. Everything's over. This is a disaster. I'm never going to be able to make the point now. Nothing's going to work right. All these kids are going to go to hell. I just, I've ruined the whole thing. It's horrible. Uh, this is how I'm feeling. Like, none of this happened. I don't think any of those kids are going to hell. Anyways, uh, I'm just ruined. And somebody says to me, well, well, we should do something else. And I was like, well, what are we going to come up with? And one of the leaders is like, well, I don't know. Let's just take them like on a prayer hike. And I was like, oh, yeah, that'll be fun. That's a Christianese thing to do. Let's do that. So we did. We marched these 80, 90 kids, and we march them up a mountain, and we tell them, don't talk. Just pray on your way up. And on the way back down, just pray too. We're just going to enjoy God's creation and pray. And I'm ticked. I'm livid because this is so dumb to me because I had a really good plan, and now we're out prayer walking. What a waste of time, right? Wish I could have this day back. Anyways, but probably never happens to you guys. Just flawed people like me. So we walk up this mountain. We do this hike. <clears throat> and we knew it needed to, we needed to kill like 45 minutes. So we walk up 25 minutes and then decide, well, we're going to walk back down. And on the way down, there's this kid. And he took his backpack off of his back and he's carrying it in front of him. And he's walking down a mountain with a backpack in front of him. And about every 10 or 15 feet, he trips over it. He like trips over this bag, like over and over again, the kid's tripping over his bag. And I'm in such a bad mood that I won't even correct him. Like, hey, dude, maybe if you put it on your back, it would be better for you. I'm just like, I don't care. I hope he falls down. <clears throat> I, I wish I had the day back, okay? It's fine. I've, I've like established this. But he's tripping over this bag. And finally, like after like the eighth time that he trips over the bag, he trips over it. He picks the bag up and he throws it out into the woods. And he goes, I'm sick of this. And somebody says to him, hey, maybe Jesus is trying to tell you something. And this kid stops in his tracks and he starts crying and he starts confessing all of his sins. And he begs Jesus to come into his life and save him. And Jesus saved him right there, proving to me once in, like he's done so many times, that God doesn't need me to build his church. God lets me come along with him. God doesn't need me to plan the perfect camp. God just lets me come along with him. And that's sort of what it's like when we go to work with God every day. He's not going to let you break the church. That's where you go along, we need to remember that we can jump in and help because Jesus just won't let us break this place. And here's the really cool thing. Here's the really good reason to sing. If you're looking like, well, what, what am I going to sing for today? What is my good reason to sing? Here it is. Christian, you are the church that's being built. 
You, as an individual, are the church that's being built. This is what it says in verse 9. It says, for we are God's fellow workers. You are God's field. You are God's building. Not only are we God's fellow workers, so we are going to work with God to build the church, and also we are the field that's being grown. We are going to God, going to work with God to build up the church, and we are the building that's being built. When we go to work with God, God is literally growing us. He's growing us. He's sanctifying us. He's changing us. He's molding us and shaping us more and more into his image. That summer that I went to work with my grandpa changed me. I learned how to work and how to show up early and how to care about doing a good job and how to save money and how to care about details. And as we go to work with our Heavenly Father, as we join Him on His mission, as we learn to rely on Him and depend on Him and to believe in Him and to be more like Him, as you go, teach, disciple, Jesus Himself will be going ahead of you, teaching you and discipling you, shaping you more and more into the man or woman He is making you into as you join Jesus on His mission you are the disciple that's being made. That's your good reason to sing. As you join him on his mission, he's building you, changing you, molding you, making you into his image. He's doing a work in you as you are going to work with him. As Kobe comes up and gets ready to lead us in a time to sing, I want us to remember today that Jesus is building his church and he's using Christians to get it done. So stay unified. Remember that all of this is for our good and Jesus' glory. Remember that this is work because it's so important. Remember that Jesus won't let you hurt the church. And remember that as you join Jesus on this mission, you are the one who will be transformed more and more into his image. Jesus shared really what this looks like in a parable that I think wraps up this sermon well. And so I just want to read it to you. It's in John chapter 15, verses 1 through 10, and it says this, Jesus talking, he says, I am the true vine, and my Father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away, and every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes, that it may bear more fruit. Already you are clean because of the word that I have spoken to you. Abide in me, and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit by itself, unless it abides in the vine, neither can you, unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he, he, it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. If anyone doesn't abide in me, he is thrown away like a branch and withers. And the branches are gathered and thrown into the fire and burned. But if you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. By this my Father is glorified that you bear much fruit and so prove to be my disciples. As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Abide in my love. Church, Jesus is working in and through you to build his church. Church, Jesus is working in and through you to build you. And so abide in him, reside in him, trust in him, believe in him, rely on him, give him the glory, recognize what he's doing in your life. And if you don't have Jesus, I sure wish I could make you believe today. If you don't have Jesus, I wish I could make you believe, but I don't. So I'm just going to invite you to believe. Could you believe today? Could you believe the gospel? Could you believe the good news? Could you believe that God made the world and everything was perfect and it worked exactly like it was supposed to? Can you believe that man sinned and we broke the world? We just broke it. 
We've changed it. Nothing about the way this world is working right now is how God designed it. This is the result of our sin and our brokenness. Can you believe that the worst part of the brokenness of this world, the worst part of our sin is that it leads to separation, that it separates us from God? But can you believe that God loved you so much that he wouldn't leave you in that separated state? And so he sent Jesus down here to save you. That Jesus literally left heaven to come to earth to live the perfect life that we never could, to die the horrific death that we deserve, and to defeat that death so that anyone who would believe in him could spend eternity with him. Could you, like an eighth grader that is tripping over a backpack over and over and over again, just stop what you're doing right now and say, God, I am a sinner and I'm sorry. I need you to save me because I cannot save myself. I believe in your life, death, and resurrection. Could you do that today? Let's pray. God, we are amazed that you would allow us to come to work with you. Help us to remember what a privilege it is. God, we are amazed that you would use people like us to do this important work of going into the world, teaching people about you, baptizing them when they believe, and discipling them to be more like you. Help us to remember what a privilege this is. Help us to remember how important this is. Help us to be so sold out for this mission that we literally say no to other good things. Help us to be so sold out for this mission that we literally strive for unity with each other. And God, if there is anybody in this room that is trying to work, walk through this world without you, that is trying to just walk through this broken world apart from you, God, I ask you to do what only you can do. I ask you to give them the faith to believe. Lord, save them this morning. It's in your name that we pray. Amen.